this feels very opportunistic with them from 100%. the very beginning. They saw talent and the and um and and maybe I'm gonna I'm just gonna say it. Um I'm using these words and and listen, you may not like this, but it feels a little bit like um a little bit like human trafficking, a little bit like yeah, kind of. Welcome to Woken Pretty, the podcast where we dive headfirst into the juiciest slices of pop culture and the freshest toppings of current events. I'm Mira, an ex-corporate baddie that wants to do good in the world, but can't stop talking. I'm Min, a corporate escapee turned podcast producer with a knowledge of random facts and thoughts on everything. Welcome, friends. Get ready to be swept away on a roller coaster ride through the latest entertainment headlines, celebrity escapades, and the trendiest tidbits lighting up our screens and feeds. Each week, we'll be dishing out our takes on the most buzzworthy happenings, from Hollywood glam to viral internet sensations and everything in between. Whether you're in the midst of your morning routine, stuck in traffic, or just need a laugh to brighten your day, Woke and Pretty is here to serve up a piping hot slice of entertainment goodness. So... Buckle up and brace yourselves, because we're about to mix up the perfect blend of pop culture and current events zest, right here on your favorite podcast platform. Don't miss a single episode, because with Woken Pretty, the party's just getting started. Let's, Let's dive, dive in. in. Hey guys, welcome to Woken Pretty. I'm Mira. I'm in. And we are here to keep you informed, and today we're talking about Hawaii, because we got to get into it. There's a lot of thoughts there. We're also going to be covering the Barbie movie because oh, even yeah. though it's already dropped and it's huge success, huge and successful and amazing, I still haven't seen it and Min has seen it and we got opinions. And finally, I want to talk about Michael Orr getting blindsided. You get it? The pun, quote unquote, the book, the movie, blindsided. He got blindsided. So we're going to get into it. Oh yeah. There's a lot to get into today. So let's kick it off. So let's talk about Hawaii for a second. I mean, if yes. you haven't heard about the wildfires that are happening in Hawaii, that was a, it's very tragic and very sad. Why the F are people going? Like, how- well, Wait a minute. Are they going to Maui though? Or are they just going to Hawaii? The thing is, is everything on those islands feed into other islands. So the resources it's, you mean? All the resources. Yeah. And everything okay. for those islands, either, unless it's pineapple, it needs to be flown in or- got it, got it. In. So they're so limited resources already. And now they're they're having to create more resources that aren't available to them. Well, here's so, the thing. And even Jason Momoa online wrote, please don't go to Hawaii. If you think you're helping, you're not helping. And I totally get his point of view. However, there are other islands that are putting aside their hotels to house the victims from this wildfire. And I think it's something like 900 rooms and Airbnbs. The state government is trying to figure out how to pay people who have Airbnbs so they can house people for nine months to 11 months or something like that while they rebuild. And I think that's all great. But then there's an allocation of hotels that are designated to feed the tourists, to accommodate the tourists, and also the federal workers that are coming in to aid. And the reason that they have that designated for tourists, because the state didn't shut down people coming no. in. 
And the reason they didn't do that, it's money. They need the money. There's people whose livelihood depends on this. And even if it's a small smidgen, I think we just are so close to the pandemic and the after effects of people traveling and all that stuff that they don't want to take the hit as much as they could. They're trying to mitigate the risk. So it sounds terrible, but if the state government, I mean, this is my thoughts. I don't know. I, I totally agree. People shouldn't go. You should just use your sense of judgment and human decency, unless you're a, fed, a worker, a federal worker or, or aid or some type of situation where you're helping or you're supposed to help. Don't just show up and be like, well, I'm going to help, but I want to wear my bikini on the beach. Like have some decency. However, I think they're not shutting it down completely because they don't want to shut down that avenue and close off the entire state because it would be devastating to the state. Those are my thoughts so on I'm that. I'm a woman who loves Hawaii and Mira knows this. I want to fly back in December. I have now redecided that I'm probably not going to go back to Hawaii this year. It's going to be somewhere else that I'm going to go, but I'm devastated for them. And I, I don't want to go back at a time when the island isn't in the same shape that it was one. Right. And I, I recognize how selfish that sounds. And two, knowing how limited resources are already there, I don't feel like it's fair for me to take my trip when I'm looking to relax and vacation. However, I will say, I feel like if I was a little bit of a better human and had more time, I would totally go back and like be of service. So if I was going to help the recovery of the island or even potentially help in that recovery, I would definitely do that. But do you think people are traveling back there or traveling to there with that intention, but there may be not enough resources to organize all those volunteers? This takes me back to 9-11 in New York. I'm from New York. And there were a lot of people that came in and it, you know, it was great at first, but then it was just so many people and there had to be people to help organize the people for the search efforts. I mean, when you're doing search efforts, you have cadaver dogs, you have people who are trained, you have to do those things systematically, mark them off and make sure you covered your square footage and, and, and basically, unfortunately, recover you know, cadavers or people who need help and get them the aid that they need. And when you have a ton of people around you that are not organized, who are like, oh, they're starting from that end, but I'll start from this end. It's not an organized concerted effort. Like you may be successful in helping maybe one person, but you kind of screw up the system of what they have in place for these trained people. So that's number one, I would say. Just taking it back to 9-11, not to trigger anybody because I get triggered. Of course, of course. Yes. But the thing okay, is, if you, but you have been to Hawaii many times. I have been to Hawaii. I have friends that have been to Hawaii. I, I know people from Hawaii. So I think it's a little different for us. What if you are in the middle of Canada or middle of America, you've never been there and this was like your dream trip and you have it and you heard about wildfires, but you're used to hearing about wildfires in um, California all the time. So maybe you're not one thinking two, oh, I'm not going to Maui. I'm going to Kauai. So it's a little different. Like they're, they're not aware of how close these things are and how the resources work. So maybe that thought process was a little different. I'm trying to be devil's advocate. I don't know. I would never, but um, I could see how people were not thinking. The question here, men, is that the state government did not close their airports for, for commercial flights. If if you were in the government, if you had the decision to make and you know aid was flying in and there were going to be a lot of planes coming in, even commercial airlines will probably bring aid in to some degree, but would you have closed the gates to tourists? Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know if that would be something I'd want to do. And if you didn't, why didn't you? And the only thing I could think of is that 
they want to keep the money flowing to some other parts of Hawaii because they do depend on tourism. It is outside of, you know, absolutely the, the produce there. Um, it is a tourism. So I'm thinking that's part of the reason they want to have, even if it's like 10% or 20% of the income coming in for the next few months. Um, and to be fair, the government, I read this, the government is taking housing like Airbnbs and hotels and they're allocating it towards the people who absolutely need it, which are the people from, um, what's the name of the town? Lahaina? Lahaina? Lahaina. Um, they're taking it from, uh, they're giving the resources to people who own the Airbnbs and the hotel so that they can house these people because they've lost everything. It's going to take almost a year to rebuild everything. So they need to have a place to stay. I mean, some of these people flee their island. They're not even on the island yeah. anymore, right? So jumping into oceans, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's hor- It's a horrible thing to think of, but I think yes, it could be selfish that people are going, but also we have to really look at the fact that they're accepting these tourists. Okay, and I I listen. I'm with you in regards to like maybe the government needs to step in at some point and shut down the airport. Um, we'll shut down two commercial tourism flights. Commercial tourism flights, right? But is it only open? because of sheer capitalism, because how much money, because even the locals who are going on to TikTok, Instagram, social media are saying like, please don't come to our island. We already have limited resources. Um, and they have said like the commercial, the commercialization of their island ha- doesn't really feed enough of like to help the people. So is this sheer capitalism? Like, yeah. for instance, nope, no shade on the Hilton hotel here, but like there's massive Hilton hotels there. Are they just not willing to bring down their, you know, 100% room rates, room fills? I mean, like- look, every every government for every state in America has their own deals with the, the businesses that are there. You know, this takes me back to not to open up another can of worms, but Florida and Disney. There's that the huge issue that's going on with their governor in Florida, who is running for president of the United States right now. Um, he's a Republican candidate. And he basically enacted some laws. And then Disney was like, well, hold up, wait a minute. We have our own kind of like laws that govern our area. And that's already set and done. And he was like, you're not absolved from the law. So you have to kind of follow what I say. And then Disney clapped back and is, I think they're suing him or they're doing something. I don't know. It's like this whole mess. Um, personally, I would never tangle with Disney, but that's me. Uh, he, There are state laws and the governor and his people could decide certain things temporarily. So maybe there's a capitalist thing, but I'm assuming the Hilton, who's been there forever, who's a very big organization, not Disney, but big, you know, big and the same scale, I would say, because they're international and worldwide. They probably have their own things going on with with the state. So who knows? I mean, I'm not going to say that every single Hilton hotel is not servicing the people of Hawaii because I don't know that. No, nope, maybe know they that. I, I right. Maybe they left the one on the Big Island open, and all the other ones are closed for people because it's closer. I don't know. I mean, we can't really talk about that because we don't know. But I'm sure they're helping because they need the tourists. The tourists is what drives that that economy there. It just makes me sad that we are not taking better care of our people in general. A hundred percent. This isn't just a like a capitalist, but but more like if if we were thinking ahead as humans, mm-hmm. would we be taking, would we be taking a lot more care of our people in general? A hundred percent. But here's the thing though, you've been to Hawaii and you know, the Loved people it. who yeah. are the locals, mm-hmm. there are definitely poor people in Hawaii. If you have been to Hawaii once or twice, you do not see that. 
You do not see that until you go into the local areas. You think Hawaii is a small island and it's beautiful and all the people who are working there are servicing you or working in some other capacity. You don't really see that other part of Hawaii. And it's yeah. it's a pretty big part. And so if we're taking if we're thinking about the humans 100%, but you say that because you know what I'm saying makes sense from a business yeah. standpoint. And yeah, and it's absolutely. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying I agree yeah. with it. I will say that. I 100% feel that there are logical explanations, but if my job as a person who focuses on business, who runs a state, mm -hmm. I'm focusing on this devastating thing right now, but everything else around my state has to run also. And where, how are we going to pick up, especially after the pandemic where we were shut out for so long, how are we going to pick up and move on? Like is some income better than zero income? Are we hundred percent going to depend on the federal government to help us? You know, like these are the, this is a hard thing. It's not like they've ever had situations like this before where it's devastated so many people in that area. So it's new to them outside of COVID, obviously, which was right. more of like a federal mandate thing. But yeah, I think we well, both I mean, agree. It's just freaking awful. We feel for the people. Oh, and I would encourage anyone who's listening, if you want to go, I personally, from Mira Hardin, I would say, don't go right now. Maybe find other ways to help. I think money always helps. I think donating to certain organizations always help. I think if you, if you look into it, it'll, put, it'll be pretty easy resources to find. And my friend who goes to Hawaii a few times a year says she's not going until next February. And hopefully at that point, things will be not settled, but like in a better state where she can actually give back and volunteer and help in some ways of things. Well, I love that. I love that she'll be going back and helping and volunteering. Yeah, but I, she's smart. She's waiting six to yeah. seven months because and I'm there are people that are still missing. Too. Like, yeah, again, this is triggering Families, to me. Yeah, it's, it triggers no, it's me. extremely triggering to me. There was one I, I came across a TikTok and granted, listen, I'm, I'm well aware that like this isn't necessarily, you know, um, confirmed, but there's but this particular TikToker said that the numbers that we're seeing on the news aren't really the numbers that are that's happening. They're saying it's 85 deaths. It's probably closer to 500 to a thousand. Holy smokes. They're just, yeah. They're the media is downplaying what's really happening. What's now, their, why would they say that? What's the, well, that, and this is my question is that like, I feel like sometimes the media, um, are they downplaying it because they don't want us to know how badly it is so that it's okay for whoever still wants to go to travel. I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. Or, why this TikToker? where did they get their information from? They're actually a local. Yeah, yeah. But why would a local know that number that's not reported on the local news that gets to become national news? I don't know if I would question that. I would say maybe they're, again, I don't know, but I would say maybe they're saying it just seems like it's a lot more than 93. And maybe they're accounting for the people who are in the hospital. I mean, when you count deaths and things like that from, from devastation like this, you're counting the people who are actually 100% dead, not the people who are missing. So that local may be counting the people who are missing and assuming because it's been, what, it's been almost a week. Of course, they're probably dead if they're not found. I'm serious, right? So, so that local might be counting that, saying like these people are gone because you have like a time window before you can, for survival. Yeah, and it's not very, like, we're not talking like, this is also like without food and water. So let's say they are underneath all of this rubble. There's no food, no water. There's nothing right. available to them. No light. Yeah. Like, 
That is a scary. You have problem. like three, three to four days, I think, and then you're done. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously passed. So maybe the locals accounting for for that with the people who are missing and who are not being identified. So I, I just I would question the number though, because I'm not saying that the media doesn't twist things. Of course they do. I know they do. I worked in media for many years and I see it. I am an American after all. Um <laughs> we know all about this. <laughs> but I would question because locally this person where are they getting their information from because even if they're saying it's from the local news the local news this is where the national news get the local the information is from the local people so i don't know if i would accept that that tiktok is correct or a person from tiktok but and again I, i'm not saying that they are correct but i think there's something to be said if, if somebody is saying it yes right so, yeah yeah and maybe the numbers are a lot more inflated and that we haven't they haven't confirmed, but, or maybe it's the 95 deaths that have been confirmed, right? Like we're still waiting for more confirmed. numbers to come in. I mean, and there's a lot of people in the hospital, like oh, hundreds of people in the, the hospital. So like, yeah, I mean, look, uh, any way you slice it, this is a terrible situation, but like, I mean, I'm glad there was coverage of it, to be honest, because there's a lot of things that happen in other countries and other places. And you like hear it once and you never hear it again. Um, so yes. I'm glad that they're covering it and doing the due diligence and internationally, cause you're, you're Canada, you know, I'm Canada. Well, and I'm, yeah. we've had so many wildfires up here now. I just feel like we're part of this whole, yeah, keep your wildfire. Well, we're getting, we're getting that wind over here in New York and it's not nice. It looks pretty oh, on the oh, outside. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm terrible. For anyone listening, if you're a New Yorker, those, that impure air that made New York, one of the most polluted cities in in the country it's because of canada and their wildfires thank you i'm so sorry (laughs) i'm sorry we'll we'll put up that imaginary wall make sure that we're keeping it at home i mean some days it's beautiful to look at and you walk out and you're like "Eh, i gotta stay inside Uh, it's like it's it was really intense though man it It was. was really listen it was really intense and and i was in bc when the wildfires were getting really bad a couple of years ago and I remember flying in and our pilot being like, we're just going to circle the air in hopes that it clears up so we can find a place to land on like yeah. close to the airport, obviously, so we can see to be able to land. And I remember thinking, wow, these wildfires are really bad. And we don't, and that was in BC, this is now BC, Canada. Okay. I live in the same country and we had, I had heard nothing about it in Ontario. Like that. What? Yeah. So to, to think like when the firewall fires started happening here on, on my side of the country, you know, Ontario and Quebec, we had heard it, about it every single day. We knew how many people were dying, where all our resources were going. We knew about you guys getting the smoke and how far that was coming down. We knew about that. But when it was out in BC, it, it felt it was like it was very shut off. I didn't know about it until I got out to BC and I was like, oh my, and like, even then I was like, I was at this point, like going to visit family and had I known how badly they were, I probably would have delayed my BC trip because I wouldn't have gone to take up those quote unquote resources and it's mainland. Um, so, but yes, like even that didn't make like my side of the, the world news. And I lived in the same country, but let's move on because I think we can both agree that like if you're going to help the wildfires and the recovery in Hawaii, do it to a, a program and a source that's going to help the locals and re- to rebuild. So let's have a beautiful, you know, planet back. <laughs> humans first, yeah. people. Humans, humans first. first. Yes, yeah. humans first. All right, let's so move let's on move to on. something more fun. 
Yeah. Let's talk about I Barbie. Went, <laughs> I went and saw the Barbie movie this weekend and I, what? Okay, so first of all, I know you guys don't know me, but I played with Barbies up until I was like 11. My Barbie had like the best wardrobe. She was always immaculate. I loved my Barbies. So this Barbie movie for me was like the highlight of my Uh adult life. Was it really good? It was. Oh, it was so good. Like, so good. Margot Robbie is one, the perfect Barbie. Like, honestly, the real life Barbie to me. She will always probably be. And it was just so good because there was so much representation um, in women, men. um, Mm -hmm. And it wasn't about, like, I know that, I know that our right-wing people would like to say, well, it's a little, you know, attacking men and it makes women not love men as much. Okay, listen, if you really watched the movie, you wouldn't be thinking that. Well, first of all, I did not see the movie. I did not see the movie. However, what I've seen is TikTok and Instagram are blowing up about people breaking out from their toxic relationships because of this movie. And I'm here for it. So if anybody, you just said the right wing people, if anyone is like, no, it's giving you different morals and ideas and value, you know what? Good. We should think for ourselves. We should have critical thinking and we should recognize a relationship that doesn't serve us, whether somebody else thinks it's toxic or not. So again, I want to watch it and I will, but I'm not a huge Barbie fanatic like you are. Oh no, huge Barbie <laughs> fanatic. Um, I love the marketing. The marketing oh. was in my face. And I was like, if I wasn't a Barbie fan, I'm a Barbie fan now. And and for a person who like built her career in marketing, didn't you love all the little things that they incorporated in the marketing? Like everything. Who, nobody knew. I don't know a single person who knew what the Barbie movie was gonna be about. Like we nobody. Was- but here's the thing though. Think about it from a business standpoint which is so great that I'm here with you because, you know, we get the yeah. perspectives. Yeah. From a business standpoint, if you're doing a movie deal, if you're Mattel and you're doing a movie deal with, I don't know who the production company was, right? You mm-hmm. sold the rights to this movie and you're marketing the S out of it. I don't want to curse. You're marketing the S out of it. Every single where you turned, shoes, collaboration, um, you know, 3D, 3D billboards in Asia, like every, like everything everywhere all at once. And I loved it. And I knew about Barbie in the movie, whether I was a fan or not. If you are Mattel, you have won because you have not only reintroduced Barbie to this newer generation that was kind of like, it was becoming a little stale for this newer generation. There were a lot yeah. of things that we weren't pushing Barbies on our kids and stuff like that. If I had a daughter, I don't think, I mean, maybe I would get her a Barbie, but my little nieces, I have six nieces. Barbie was not a big thing for them. They had Barbies, but there were other things that they were super into because it wasn't like our generation where Barbies were it. I, by the way, only had one doll growing up, just so you know. And when I moved to America, it was a Barbie and she was beautiful. And I named her Cheryl and she was a holiday Barbie. And she was a black holiday Barbie, which made a big deal oh, to me. Even better. Yeah. And I was really perplexed when I got it. Just a side note, I was very perplexed when I got it because I had never seen a Barbie that wasn't blonde and white. Mm. And I moved to this country and my grandfather, who was a black American, he was my step-grandfather, lovely man. I wish he was still here gifted that to me. And I was so confused for like a month. I was like, why would he give me this? What is this? Because I had never seen a Barbie that looked like that. And I don't identify as black because I'm not black, but I don't not identify as black. I say I'm a brown woman. Right. I'm a minority. Mm-hmm. I'm mixed. But if you look at me, you know, I'm not a black American. I'm not a black person in the world. Right. right? 
but I have the black experience. So there's a, there's a difference. Yeah. So I didn't understand this Barbie, but of course at that time there wasn't other, other Barbies, right? It was, wow, there's a black Barbie. And I grew to love her so much, like so fast. I thought she was the most beautiful thing in the world. And that was my Barbie. But I, before that I had the imitation ones where the, they break apart and I wouldn't, I would make clothes for that Barbie, honey. I made my own clothes for my Barbies. I did not have money you to did. buy. Oh, oh. I'm, I went to a fashion high school. I don't know if you knew that. I learned how to sew early on. I did things oh. with a hand. I used stockings, old piece, old clothing that was being thrown away. And I would make clothes for my, my little Barbie, my one Barbie. Oh, good for you. Good for my you. My holiday no, Barbie named Cheryl that I named her, but yes. Oh, but anyways, no. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, use that yes. however you will, but going back to it, Mattel already won because they've already reintroduced oh, yeah. this. If the movie would be successful, that's another check in their box. The only person that needed this movie to be successful was the studio because they've invested in this. If the movie flopped, they get nothing out of it, but they made a Barbie movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a Barbie cafe in New York City. Did you know that? No. Yeah. And no. girl, you have to pay. You have to pay just to enter. You have to pay to enter. That's fine. I'll do it. Says the Barbie fan. Exactly. You For me, I'm I would. Thank you. I don't need to go and have a, a pastry and a coffee and pay to enter to go buy my pastry and coffee. But there are very much Instagrammable places within the Barbie cafe. But yeah, they they marketed the crap out of this. And I oh, loved yeah. every minute of it. it every was, minute it of it. It was genius marketing. Oh, genius. God. Their team, their marketing team needs an award. Multiple oh, awards. absolutely. But there was multiple things that they did in regards to like marketing the movie itself, like aside from the the other like collabs that they had, but just marketing the movie itself, the photos that Margot Robbie took, the outfits that they put her in. Yes. Um, like genius. She embodied Barbie. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And even down to like how they casted the movie. Um, so initially it was actually going to be Amy Schumer. Who's gonna play Barbie. Yeah, I heard that. What? That would have been a very so, different movie. Right. So I think they were doing it because it would have been like funny, body positive, and oh, and well, funny. I, the Barbie movie was funny, dude. It was so, so, so funny. maybe that's why. Maybe they knew they were gonna go with the comedic angle and Amy Schumer. Oh, no. I don't think I've seen Amy Schumer and I like her movies and I like her. But I can't picture it, not even from a physical standpoint, just the way she acts and the way she is and how Margot Robbie is. I don't know. I'm glad it didn't work out for her. <laughs> um, I am, too. I kind of wish she was still in the movie, but I am, too. But yeah. more importantly, I think what I loved about the Barbie movie was that it was a kind of like Wonder Woman. It was a utopia where the matriarchy was the center of um, how this beautiful world worked. Oh. And, and it wasn't a, and this it is why men hate the movie <laughs> that makes sense now before we dive too much into that can we just say that like when a matriarchy takes over it's not about the same thing as a patriarchy the patriarchy is built on a hierarchy of this is what he does and and these are the people that kind of report into them mm -hmm. this is why the patriarchy is so frustrating for for women the matriarchy is built is built on a motherly and a sisterhood of yeah. people working together to create a beautiful common goal and creating a beautiful common utopia. So it's a bit so when people think about like, oh, the matriarchy is about like 
hating. It's not about hating men. It's about building something beautiful together collectively as beautiful humans. Well, men who creates that narrative that is about hating men, men. <laughs> right. Hello. Well, right. <laughs> well I would sorry. say in the patriarchy, people say women hate women. Don't we? We say that all the time. Women are catty. Women don't help each other, but the bro culture is real. So it's the same thing. It's just a different word. Yes, absolutely. Um, absolutely. <laughs> but let's go back to the Barbie movie for a second. I, listen, I loved it. I will be going to see it again. I Ooh. loved everything about it. It was really, really good. I will also say that like, I know guys who like male dads who took their daughters to see it. And even they were like, I didn't think that I would like it as much as I thought I would. Aww. Like I kind of only did it because she really wanted to go. Um, but I also know that like the younger generation, I have a daughter who's 20 and she wasn't really as into Barbie as I was, but right. she did say, she was like, the one thing I always will remember about Barbie was that she was a doctor, a lawyer, president, a, the president. Yeah. She wanted to know about prize long before all these things happen in our yeah. world. So she was like, so she was really like the person who reminded me that I could be whatever I wanted which is what we really remembered, right? I know Barbie gets a lot of lashback about like, well, no woman can look like that. Well, they they changed the proportions of the Barbie too, didn't they? they? Like like about a couple decades ago or like 15 years ago or something like that? Something like that. There is more- They changed it to be more realistic. Yes. I mean, like, okay, I get that. I get that point. I went to an exhibit at the, in Indiana, there's a children's museum and a while back they had this exhibit and part of it was a Barbie exhibit. And you walk in, it was like this whole thing where it was engaging, like for kids, you can sit in the Barbie car, you can stand up at the podium and be president. You ha- you can wear the thing. It was awesome. And I had a little son, um, but he was young at the time. So he didn't really understand. He just enjoyed the games. But I thought it was so cool because I grew up in that generation where Barbie was everything mm-hmm. all at once. And I didn't have all those Barbies. I didn't need to have, you know, astronaut Barbie or scientist Barbie or whatever it was. But I knew they existed. And to see it in this exhibit, in this museum, and and be part of it, because you could dress up and do the things like archaeologist Barbie, and you can like yep. put on the thing and dig for the bones and like mm. be the Barbie. I thought it was so cool. And I took a lot of pictures. And, you know, of course, I didn't have like a ton of money, so I couldn't even have more than the one Barbie. But I didn't, I wonder if I had all that money, would I want to collect all those different Barbies? And then I remember when they became, they had the Indian Barbie and the cultural Barbies and the, the, the Native American Barbie and all that stuff, right? Like they changed the skin color. And that was a big deal for me because I can relate a little bit more. And oh, I don't I think I can so relate before. No, I, and I will I will say like um, when we were younger, there was only two Barbies, the black yeah. Barbie or the blonde Barbie. They, I, I never so seen the black Barbie. But they had the blonde Barbie and then they would have her friends who are not blonde, like Kelly and- uh, Yeah, I wasn't happy about that. The ones that you would buy if you had money, but really you just want the Barbie. Right. Um, But I I did get really excited when they started introducing other cultures and Barbies. 100%. And and, and listen, if Mytel is is listening, like we still need a dark-skinned Asian Barbie. I'm just saying. Tell me about it. Yeah. Right? Because like, I feel like, the dark-skinned Asian girls don't get enough love <laughs> in general, <laughs> but definitely, definitely not enough with Barbie. And I, I want one. There is a founder, a brand called Live Tinted, and I've been following her since before <gasps> she had this brand. Do you I know her? Deepika Mutalaya or yes. whatever? Her I love her is. products. So it just came to Canada. I know. 
He just, she was just in Canada. Anyway, I follow her from when she was in YouTube. She was the first person I ever followed as an adult um, because she did the whole lipstick coverage, like the pigments and, and the color correction. And I thought it was fascinating. And then I realized, I was like, oh, this girl is really great. Like she speaks to me, even though she's, you know, definitely more than a decade younger than me. I loved how she was so natural and so great. And I started consuming some of her videos. And then eventually she decided to start this platform, uh, Live Tinted. And at first I had no idea what it would be about, to be, to be quite honest. And I was like, okay, so she's showing different skin colors, whatever, but where is this going? And she started her makeup line and it started off with the color correction sticks. Everything she's had so far, I've pretty much purchased just to support that South Asian, is she South Asian? Well, she's Indian, Indian woman that is doing her thing and not conforming to the norms and making products for our skin, the different colors, the dark, the middle, the lighter ethnic skin. And I loved it. And so she actually had her own Barbie made last year. Did you know that? No. It is well, where beautiful. Can I find Barbie? Cause I want one. Go on her page or live tinted at live tinted on Instagram or at Deepika Mutayala, or I think it might be Deepika. I don't know exactly what her handle is follow her because she's really positive and she's really great and I love her upbeat energy and she's just such a boss but acknowledges like everything that's important and she has such a good balance and for her to have a Barbie that was her the Deepika Barbie like I almost cried I was like yes girl like you are on this journey you are successful you're a young 30 whatever 31 30 year old CEO and you have your own Barbie and Barbie is coming back. And, and that was before the, the movie, obviously, and everything. So right. very Ooh, cool. I, love this. I will. Oh, yeah. I will be going. And it's darker Asian skin, it like the darker Indian. Darker. Oh, this is what I'm talking about. This is what we need. We need more of those. Listen, you can't be listening to Woken Pretty and not love the dark. OK, it's true. It's true. It's very true. All right. Not that anything's wrong with non-dark. I do watch Korean shows all the time. And I'm like, wow, oh, me skin. too. Me too. It's oh, yeah. I, can we just talk about that for just how I, go completely I don't even want to do it I don't want it for myself but like beautiful Korean girls have skincare on lockdown yeah lockdown legit they know uh, I don't know what they're doing and trust me I've tried a lot of the things that they they suggest which is probably why I spend so much money on the skin product that I do use yeah but you face. look beautiful like your skin is beautiful and you look way younger just like me um than we're supposed to be looking right yeah it works <laughs> it does work so if anybody like maybe this is what we need to do sometime is just get like a special like korean girl guest to tell us yeah which- <laughs> I'm, a, I'm gonna tell you right now i'm not i'm smart but i'm not that smart when it comes to skincare and stuff like that but if you were like oh this is korean i'm like i'm using it oh i don't even care i don't need to why read do you korean. think i spend <laughs> as much money as i do on the sh- product i put on my face i don't need to go to support recipe it's two girls I can walk into a Korean store and say, oh, face mask. Cool. It's going to oh, be yeah. better than I, I just trust it. I just trust it. I don't I, care. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the minute you said Korean skincare, I'm like, We're in. how much? Where, here's my credit card. Just go to town. Oh my God. That's so true. And Let's, that for any entrepreneur that's out there that wants to take advantage of Canadians and Americans, you can do so by just making it in Korean labeling and calling it a beauty product and make it in our market. We will buy it. Opportunity for someone. <laughs> a little side hustle yeah you know you never know all right so um I'm gonna kick this off okay so oh. I didn't hear about this you told me about this 
Dude, but yeah. Michael Orr and the blind mm-hmm. side was mm-hmm. totally blindsided. Yes. Yes, he was. By his quote unquote adoptive parents. Mm-hmm. They were really adoptive parents. They had had him sign a form that basically became a censorship. Yeah. Oh, conservative, like conservatorship. Conservatorship, not I think Britney Spears and her parents. That's what I think. Or her dad. That's me, what I think. Oh my gosh, me too. The minute you told me that, all I could think was, oh my gosh, this is a Britney Spears situation. I only feel like this is worse because now thinking about the Blindside movie, how much? Academy Award winning Blindside movie. And let's right. not talk about the book that was created before the movie. Oh, oh, that's right. Oh, mm-hmm. I forgot about the book. But let's he got go back zero to- proceeds. But let's go back to the movie. But how much? How much of a role his mother really played? "Quote unquote," his mother really played in that mm-hmm. movie, right? Like, listen, the story was about him. But if you look back at that movie now, do you think, like, do you think twice as to how much? Because <clears throat> she had to have a heavy hand on how her character was portrayed. I mean, who wrote the book? Now? Who wrote the book? Was it not them? <laughs> Michael Orr is a retired NFL player, but he was a very, very good player when he was around. I think the kid's only 25 right now. So this movie came out not so long ago with Sandra Bullock. And it basically showed this homeless kid who was in a private school who had athletic prowess. He was great at football. He was great at basketball. He was homeless. And this family, this good natured family that owned a bunch of fast food restaurants or they were very wealthy, um, decided to take him in. And they, you know, had a guardianship, I guess. And eventually they adopted him or so we thought. It turns out because they're trying to say because he was 18 when they when the adoption went through, they were advised not to they couldn't adopt because he was an adult. So they did a conservatorship. Now, the problem with that is he was in high school. They could have probably adopted him before. Maybe it took some time. But what they had with a conservatorship is that they had complete rights over his name. He has no rights to his name. Any business deals, any NFL deals that he signed, any decisions being made, they are in charge. They were profiting from him as a human. There is nothing wrong with him. No mental health, no nothing. He just happened to be a black homeless person that they took in because they saw his athleticism. And there was a controversy. So if you've ever seen the movie, the whole movie was about how great their relationship was and it being questioned by the NCAA because he wanted to go to their alma mater, which was Ole Miss um, versus all the other schools that wanted him. Okay, Right. Spoiler alert, the end of the movie, they determined (laughs) that that was not what it was about. Like he really just wanted to go there. But But now we rethink. Yeah. Was that his decision? Did he really decide that that's where he wanted to go? Or, or, and maybe it was, he was 18. He decided, but here's the thing though. You could be coerced. You're still a teenager. If you were living in the two, it's, it's the Tui family. If you were living in the Tui house. Okay. I'm going to just put it out there. My husband is a huge Kentucky fan. University of Kentucky lives and breeds University of Kentucky. He went there for medical school. He went there for his undergrad. All of his siblings went there. He grew up in Kentucky. It's like a thing. I ask him, uh, and I know this is a thing, a lot more of a thing in the states than it is yes. in Canada. Like, especially, we, well, we especially if it's Canada. a sports school. Yes, right. And and again, something we don't really do up here either. Like the sports thing in in university and colleges is not really a thing up here. Well, I didn't do this until I met him. There. So <laughs> this is this is 
on the East Coast, we, we're not like that. At least I'm not like that. Most of us, we have other things going on in our lives besides sports. Uh, Kentucky, if anyone knows, they there is no professional sports in Kentucky. It is college basketball and football. Right. Um, so it's all about the college things there. Uh, but anyway, I have no, a son. It runs deep. But oh, it runs deep. so deep. Um, the rivalries and things like that. But I have a son and, you know, he's three and a half. Not big deal, but he is athletic. And it's already being talked about when he was younger that he will play for Kentucky. And I'm just like, or not play. Or if he played, he can go to any school he wants because that's what I say. But if I went to Kentucky and I felt the same way and his dad went to Kentucky and felt the same way, we're both pushing that narrative. So that kid's mind is like, I have to go to Kentucky. I have to go to Kentucky. So Michael Orr, when he became part of the Tui family, maybe he was like 15 or something. I don't know, 16. He already was showing his athleticism. He was already on the fast track. So they obviously were incentivized, but Ole Miss was probably around their house the whole time. The kids probably wanted to go to Ole Miss. I think they did go to Ole Miss. I think the daughter went. So I'm not really hundred percent sure about where they went and stuff, but I'm pretty sure it was pushed on them just like it would have been pushed in my family for my child, except for I'm not that person. But um, so Michael Orr might've just wanted to please them to show his gratitude because it's human nature to be like, this person did so much for me. I want to do it for them even Absolutely. though they never asked me to, but they're going to be okay. proud of me because I'm going there. And every time they come to visit me, you know, he feels like he's part of that family. And actually the the son who he was Michael always friends with uh, actually spoke out about it. And he said that he wasn't aware of it. And if that was without, with the intention of how it's being portrayed now, if that's the case, like it's messed up because the twoies, their kids actually benefited from the movie too. They got money from the movie. Yeah but not Michael Orr. No. And the, the crazy part is, this is years later. This movie came out 2009, 2008, something like that. Yeah. So this is like a full more than a decade later and it's now coming out. So you have to wonder what happened during that decade. Well, we're just talking about just a movie right now. Like you said it, there was a book involved. The like, book before. They had to sell. Yeah, they sold the rights. They gained, to, to sell the rights, they earned $225,000. And 2.5% of the profits from the movie, which the movie was an award-winning movie. So they made bank. So for Michael Orr, who the movie was about to make a zero, mm -hmm. something's not right here. But how come it took him, I don't know, 13 years to figure it out, 14, 15 years? And he's a retired NFL player now. He's retired. So maybe now he's like, hey, where'd that money go? Maybe now he's looking into his finances. Maybe they always handled it and he trusted them. So... Maybe he just never paid attention. And maybe now he has a financial advisor or something. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I would trust this, them, wouldn't you? This story to be absolutely because, and and really you're a kid. You're, yeah. You're, and they're wealthy. They don't need oh, your amount. No, they didn't need any of that. He had nothing. I think that's, and, and I think this is where it triggers me so heavily is that this feels very opportunistic with them from 100%. the very beginning. They saw talent and the, and, um, and, and maybe I'm going to, I'm just going to say, it. um, I'm using these words and, and listen, you may not like it, but it feels a little bit like, um, a little bit like human trafficking a little bit, like yeah, kind of this triggers something inside of me that like drives a fire that makes me so upset. And maybe this is because I had a crappy childhood. We won't get into that. But this, this situation made me so upset because a boy who 
felt very taken care of because he had nothing. He, his mom was a drug addict. He came from the slums and he was taken out and he was granted this beautiful life and now felt like he probably owed a little bit to them. Yeah. And or everything to them or right. And now to know that this happened to him, it, it reeks, it stinks. There's nothing good about this. There's no No. way that this family's coming out smelling like roses or smelling anything better than a fish. Well, they haven't had any interviews with anybody. Shocker. What what are they going to say? Again, to me says, speaks about how guilty you sound. Because if if you did, like, right? Like, why would you- But here's the crazy thing though, man. Here's the crazy thing. If if you're a millionaire already, you're a wealthy family Mm -hmm. and you have all of this opportunity and you're taking advantage of this kid, you give the kid nothing, at least give him something. So it's like, no, like to stand on, like be smart about it. How greedy can you be? Your kids benefited, but the, this kid didn't mm-hmm. like yeah. what the actual F I mean, yeah. what are the repercussions for this though? I don't even know. Prison. No, I know because this is, this is a civil suit, right? This isn't, this isn't a, there's no, uh, they didn't do anything wrong technically, except for like, no. Yeah coercion I guess I, I don't even think this is something I guess maybe they'd have to pay fines or do right by him but it's so sad because his adoptive brother and sister he's very close to apparently mm-hmm. especially the brother and yeah. oh there goes all of that but my god how greedy can you be yeah a little bit how could you and, not and have you cut, already cut him in on a movie about him <laughs> like what yeah. Even if it's like a small amount. Yeah. Like give him the $225,000 and re- reek in the millions that's coming in. Like, I don't know. Be smart about your deception. Or even shared some of that 250. Like, I think maybe was, that's what's going to happen. Wasn't, it wasn't you, but they're making it to me also. It sounds like they're making it sound like it was like their story. They saved a boy. They, do you know what I mean? Like, this is a very, um, superior complex a little bit for me yes like, they see nothing they see nothing him. wrong with we, this of course not which this is our are. story this is not right. his story this is our story yeah but nobody would have cared about your story if he, if he didn't become a, a world-class athlete come on also true if he became very, an accountant would we have a story or a book no <laughs> nobody wants to hear about the accountant I'm just saying. And, and let's be real. If he became an accountant, he would have known this crap was going down. I think maybe, I think I might've read somewhere that he asked them for money recently. So maybe mm. because he's no, not part of the NFL anymore, and he's still young, 25, I think. I think maybe he's only him not having money is what? kind of being, I think he's kind of like, wait, how come I don't have any money? And then I think he must've looked into it or somebody must've looked into it. And he's like, wait a minute. Um, I think that's kind of how it happened, at least from what I read. So I'm not 100% sure, but I am happy to keep you all posted on this story because this is very triggering for men. It's very triggering for me. And- Oh, he's 37. Oh, whoops. What am I talking about? <laughs> I was like 25. That's still really young to be like retired from that. Wait, so he's 37 years old and he's now bringing this up? Like- And how long is it? So is this conservatorship over? I, oh, sorry. The 25 year, he, the conservatorship was over at 25. Okay. So maybe that's where I'm getting that number from. 12 years ago. 
mm-hmm. his conservatorship was over. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming that when his conservatorship was over, he was still playing for the NFL. Because 25 is a little young to be retired maybe. in the NFL, right? Maybe. So maybe he didn't think about needing the money because he was still doing well in the NFL. Yeah. And now, well, regardless of why he needs the money, it's his money. <laughs> well, is it his money well, if he made no money off of that movie because it's their story? It's not really their story. You wouldn't I'm just have saying. a story without the boy. Isn't that the lawsuit? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, maybe. maybe yeah. I mean, if they were right. smart, if, if the Tuies are smart as they are supposed to be, according to them, they should just settle with Michael Orr and dead the story so they don't look even worse. That's what I would say. I, and listen, they, they should definitely settle with Michael Orr, but maybe there's no money left. They have fast food restaurants, according to the movie. So I'm assuming they still have those or they've made money in other ways. So they, would, they should not drag this out in court. They should have a mediator. They should come up with a sum that would make him happy and pay it or negotiate it and then debt it and either rebuild their relationship with him so that they're seen with him somewhere where their reputation's intact or move on and live their lives. Okay, so coming from my gore side, if this was you and and I came to you, let's say it was us and I came to you and I said, okay, it's 350 million. I'll give you half of the 350 because it's your story too but let's go out in public together are you really going to be seen with me <laughs> no but if if those are his parents i mean he's 37 if those are his parents since he was a teenager you know parents and children fight and then they still come home for the holidays or they still figure it out eventually or they don't i'm not saying go out in public but i'm saying years from now he's coming home for thanksgiving like you repair your relationship if it's important to you like they obviously continue to have a relationship with him as an adult outside of the conservatorship. So they must care about him. Allegedly. I don't know. It's not like they I'm dropped sorry, him after that. To, no. And you're right. They didn't, but were they doing it to keep him close? That just seems so convoluted though. Like why, like this is like a decade later since the conservatorship end, you think they're going to maintain a relationship with him for 10 years if they didn't care for him? I don't know. Are they maintaining the relationship because they want to keep the money and keep him quiet? I mean, I don't know. That seems like a lot of work. Side of the coin here. It just seems like a lot of work because if you got rid of him when he was twenty-five, a lot of money. So, but if you got rid of him at twenty-five, when he was twenty-five, like you know he could come back for the money maybe, but then he'd have no legs to stand on because you have no relationship. Maybe he wouldn't even even noticed it because he's so angry. I don't know. Either way, I feel bad for this family. I feel bad for him. I feel more bad for him, not really the family, to be honest, because it just yeah, looks bad, bad, the, the optics. And if I, I was the family and I cared about him and that's what he was feeling, I would be like, if the money's that important to you, here it is. Or let me give you half of it. Like I would literally not have let it go to a civil suit. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely not. How could they not think that he should get zero when the kids in their movie got money? Like that is a part that gets me. 250,000. Well, no, just that's the, that's what they got for the rights. Right. But the, they got profit share in the movie. Oh, that's right too. So every time that movie is, is being watched, they get money. This is why it triggers me so much because it's just the, I just think that like one year, you guys were extremely opportunistic. 
to a child trusted you, a child, because he was a child, trusted you and three, like, no, like to me, no. Like there would be, for me, if this was somebody doing it to me, there'd be no coming back, none. Like, I don't want a relationship with you after this because I mean, at a moment in my life when you should have taken care of me, you know, we don't know what the relationship is right now, though. I'm assuming because if he filed a suit against them, they might have been discussing this before. Let me see what it says. They might have been discussing this before. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But yeah. I had moved on to something else. So it's not even up on my, my screen anymore, but that's fine. <laughs> oh God. Anyways, we're coming to an end. Yes. This was really fun. So, so in good. conclusion, don't go to Hawaii, watch the Barbie <laughs> movie and let's follow Michael Orr and support Michael Orr and see what happens and unfolds. Yeah. There might need to be a part two next week. If more unfolds the story. Well, next week we'll see what, what's going on. Maybe there'll be an update and I'm happy to talk about it. But I feel for that poor guy. He got blindsided. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just so messed up. Yeah, it is. We laugh, it's, but it's, it's so it's, messed up. No, it is very messed up. And I think we're just both very sad with the situation for Yeah. Just, like internally, I feel like a lot of ways about it. The race thing really gets me. I'm very, yeah. I'm very the me opportunistic. Too thing the fact that they don't see that there's something wrong with it and they did it that gets me it just it just feeds into everything that's happening now and and it just makes me sad yeah it makes me sad sad. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah all right so that's it for this week's episode guys thank you for listening and stay woke and pretty and we will see you next week thanks guys and that's a wrap on another captivating episode of woke and pretty We hope you had just as much fun as we did diving into the depths of pop culture and current events. Remember, you're the heartbeat of our podcast. Your support, your comments, and your enthusiasm keeps us fired up and ready to bring you more pop culture goodness each week. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a moment of action. We'd love to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and even your own pop culture discoveries. Connect with us on social media at Woken Pretty Podcast on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We're always thrilled to chat with fellow pop culture enthusiasts. Until next time, keep riding those pop culture waves, stay in the know with current events, and most importantly, keep embracing your woke and pretty self. Thanks for joining us on this wild ride. And remember, the conversation doesn't stop here. So until we meet again, keep, keep spreading, spreading the, the woke, woke and pretty vibes. vibes.